Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. This is the Court Today replay on C103. Welcoming you along to Wednesday's edition of the programme with John Paul taking your calls 1850-333-103 text or WhatsApp 86 103 when we find ourselves on the final day of uh, July the summer is whizzing past let's hope we can look forward to a nice warm August uh, with nice sunny spells wouldn't that be wonderful we've had a kind of a, kind of a mixed bag really uh, summer wise now can I just kick off with a couple of calls that we're getting in about works that's underway at Mallow Bridge and some people are querying whether the work that's going to be undertaken will it affect pedestrians using the bridge. Now people may may or may not know that the northbound lane over Mallow Bridge uh, will be closed to traffic in order to facilitate the works. This is the Mallow Bridge, the boardwalk project. Uh, traffic has been diverted via the R619 and the N20. Now from the 29th which was Monday but I don't know I have a funny feel. I don't know if it's closed or not yet but anyway it's it's, it's it's due to close if it hasn't already uh, closed northbound and the traffic disruption the works will be going on until the end of August fingers crossed they'll have it all done and dusted before the schools reopened the southbound lane though will remain open to traffic so that will be traffic coming from Bridge Street and the Park Road they'll be allowed to travel over the bridge while traffic from Ballydeheen and Bear Forest Kilavallon Road they, they'll be all the ones that will be detoured but we've had calls in from people saying what if you're a pedestrian will you be able to walk over the bridge so we are on to Cork County Council and we are waiting their reply uh, to confirm to, uh, if people can walk over the bridge. So stick with us on that because we just did a couple of calls in this morning about it. I think there was some yesterday as well. So we're awaiting confirmation back from Cork County Council. Mike, though, has been on to us. Here's something we'll put out to see if other listeners can let Mike know if this is the norm. He's kind of ringing really on behalf of his daughter who has two young children in a creche in the Mallow area. The creche have just notified the parents that they're increasing the fees and they're now going to be charging for the days the days that I assume that the creche is closed, bank holidays, Christmas Day, Easter Sunday. They're going to be charging for all of those days and Mike wonders, is it legal? They've never charged before for bank holidays or Christmas Day or days when the creche is closed. So he's wondering, the fact that they're now charging for these days doesn't mean the creche will actually be open, which I can tell you now, no, it uh, doesn't. Um, he also is talking about measures that were brought in by the government in October to help parents. These were financial incentives. Are they now all being cancelled out by what the creche are doing in increase? 
increasing the prices and the crash prices are not cheap. Mike's daughter pays €1,200 a month to the crash. Now it's, it is for, for two children. God, that's bigger than a mortgage, uh, isn't it? He says the creche haven't explained why they are charging for the days they are uh, closed. And Mike is wondering, is this something new? Does it happen anywhere else? The only, I would have, the only case I know, I know of a friend of mine who would have children in a creche. Now, it isn't a creche uh, here in Cork. It's a creche in Dublin. And she pays for her place or the children's place at the creche. So she pays the same amount every month. I th- I, there's a set date. On, I don't know if it's the first of the month or whatever. So she makes 12 payments to the creche. Whether the children are at the creche or not at the creche. For example, you know, she might take her children away for two weeks in the summer holiday. She still pays, even though her children are going for the creche. So if you want to say, is she paying for Christmas Day? Well, yes, she is because she say, pays the same amount in the month of December that she, than she does in the month of March when there mightn't be any days off and the creche is open every day. I don't know if that's the norm everywhere or not. But it seems strange if the creche have actually said we're starting to charge for bank holidays and Christmas Day. That just seems very bizarre that any creche would say that. Yes, I can see them putting up prices, but I can't see them saying we're now charging for the days that, that were closed. Anyway, put it out there to see if anybody else who have children attending creches have prices gone up. Is it just standard that they're gone up across the board? I straight away have the sinking feeling. Is it insurance costs? Have insurance costs gone up for the crash? And is that the reason that they're putting up the prices? And of course, anything to do with crashes at the moment, because what of what we watched, wasn't it this night last week on RTE with their RTE Investigates programme and the hide and seek crash in Dublin. And what really came to the fore on that was that it's a certainly for the woman who owned it, the hide and seek crashes in Dublin, it was a money making enterprise and she made a lot of money out of it. I'm not saying that every crash around the country makes the kind of profits that they were making in Dublin with the watering down of the milk and using the cheaper food products and cramming a lot of children in. I'm not saying that I'm hoping there's very few crashes uh, doing that but at the end of the day it is a business and I suppose they do have to make money and they do have to make some kind of a profit. So could it be that costs and the creche have gone up and therefore they're being passed on to the families who pay to have their children at the creche. 1850-333-103. If anybody else has been informed by their creche that prices are going up and if they are, did you get a reason for it? And thank you to Danny in the city who is not letting this one go. Danny said, just to let you know, Patricia, and the powers that be, that the Sheila Noonan poster... Sheena Noonan ran in the European elections for Ireland South for the Labour Party. And Danny wants to let us know that her poster is still hanging at the end of the Western Road, straight across from the turnout onto uh, the Mardike. And Danny, I think within weeks of the election been finished and over and done with. He gave them a lot of time to make sure all the posters were taken down but he contacted us to let us know did we know it was there and we've called it out a few times. I'm really surprised that nobody from the Labour Party is picking up on it and that they're not sending somebody out to get rid of it. Also surprised that the council's litter warden that would be in the city the city council's litter warden hasn't spotted it because we do know and it has happened in the past that other politicians be it at local elections 
general elections are indeed European elections that they have been fined because they actually only have seven days from when the poll closes or I think it's when the count closes they have seven days to take down all of their posters and in the main certainly across the county whenever we are contacted to say there's a you know a rogue poster has been left up as soon as we mention it or if we get on to the particular particularly if it's a local councillor they're straight away they're actually they're, they're thankful you know that we've forgotten Warner and they're out straight away to take it down so I'm really surprised that nobody from the Labour Party is rushing out to take down that Sheila Noonan poster. So let's call it out again. It's at the end of the Western Road, straight across from the turn onto the Mardike. There is one rogue election poster for Labour. Could somebody go, please, and remove it? Now, coming up on the programme today, there for groups that have been campaigning for the environment and to protect the environment, certainly happy news this week coming out of West uh, Cork. For example, yesterday on board Planola consented to the court granting an order quashing the decision of on board Planola to give permission for the construction of a plastics factory at Pound Lick on the Baltimore Road in Skibbereen and a group when that was first mooted that plastics factory there was a group that set up called Save Our Skibbereen and they have been campaigning and giving their reasons why they think the area is so unsuitable for a plastics factory. It's a thermoplastic compounds production facility to give it its correct uh, title. So there was a good, certainly good news for the Save Our Skibbereen group. Um, That's not to say that that's the end of the matter but for now there certainly looks like there is a stay on that plastics factory opening in Skibbereen and I was just looking online yesterday on the Save Our Skibbereen Facebook page and you could see people were absolutely thrilled with the news on that. So we're going to be discussing that on the programme today. And also we're going to be discussing the news that broke on Monday that Justice Deirdre Murphy ruled. She was asked to rule on on the licence that had been granted by the Minister for Housing to Bioaglanti Bioatlantis Aquamarine and this was for mechanical extraction of kelp from Bantry Bay. The Justice Deirdre Murphy ruled that the licence was incomplete and therefore she says the licence itself had not been uh, issued in effect. She said there was no licence even though I'm sure Bioatlantis had were led to believe that they had a licence and, and I'm sure was it last year they were due to start actually taking the kelp, taking the seaweed, mechanically harvesting uh, the seaweed. I don't know. I'm assuming that that didn't go ahead. Anyway, it seems a really, I couldn't believe when I, when I read what was coming out from the court last Monday. It seems bizarre that they didn't have a licence. They thought they had a licence, but it seems they didn't have a licence. So obviously that's been very much welcomed by the group down around Bantry Bay who've been fighting the group Protect Our Native Kelp Forests. Uh, so we will talk with them today to see where they go from here and what does that mean? Is that just a stay? 
you know, is is that just, is it a case of paperwork that the, you know, the I's weren't dotted, the T's weren't crossed, did they go back now again and reapply for the licence? Where does that leave the local group that's been campaigning? And again, I was watching on social media, there was huge reaction, a very positive reaction to local people who had fought quite hard and will no doubt continue to fight quite hard against that mechanical harvesting of the kelp. So we'll discuss both of those stories on the programme today. We're also going to hook up with beef farmers who are protesting protesting in factories across Ireland today and one of the factories they're protesting, the meat factories they're protesting outside is the abandoned meat factory so we're going to be finding out more about that and speak with the Beef Plan movement who I don't know if it was yesterday or Monday, we're refusing to trade in co-ops, marts, factories and supermarkets. So we'll find out how that uh, went. We're also going to hear about a young teenager who is waiting for spinal surgery and is waiting a year for spinal surgery. I mean, it just defies logic that we can ask any young person. You know, the very fact that a young person gets diagnosed and is told you need spinal surgery, you think that you would give it to them sooner rather than later. The very, you know, the very thought of spinal surgery. You're straight away thinking this this young lad must be in pain. What is it doing to him? You know, as a teenager, you should be out and about enjoying you know, nice summer, you know, the summer of our teens, we all always remember. I'm assuming if he's awaiting spinal surgery, he's not able to go out and be with his friends and just be a normal teenager. And then think back to a couple of years ago, 18 months ago, I think now, we had the Minister for Health, Simon Harris, say when there was a huge hoo-ha about scoliosis patients and children with scoliosis needing spinal surgery and we were told at the time that no one would have to wait longer than four months if that's the case why is this teenager waiting 12 months so we'll look at that case on the programme uh, today and we are also going to hear about plans to refurbish the Briary Gap Theatre. Now, the Briary Gap Theatre it was in 2016, wasn't it? They had a devastating uh, fire to the Briary Gap and it has been such a loss to the town because this is a wonderful, wonderful theatre and there's great plans uh, to do it back up so we're going to get the very latest on that on the programme today. Now unfortunately our own Peter Dowd are not available to join us today but he'll, he'll be back next week answering all of your uh, gardening questions. So your thoughts and comments on any issue taking your fancy today? Just been getting reports in the traffic is at a standstill on the McCroom Road in Bandham. Now that's due to the farmers protest, the beef farmers protest that's underway there. Actually we're going to be featuring later on on the programme. Farmers are protesting outside the meat factory in Bandham with cars parked on either side of the road and trucks are now are blocked from entering the factory. And we're getting reports in the traffic is going nowhere and there is a large Garda presence. I suggest if you're listening to us at home and you have to make a journey that involves you going anywhere near the McCroom Road in Bandon, put on the kettle and have a cup of coffee and wait uh, until that gets itself sorted out. As I say, we will be talking more about that protest uh, a little bit later on. Mary in North Cork says I'm hearing on the news all morning how Ireland will suffer when it comes to fresh food as imports will be hampered due to Brexit. We are involved in the EU. Why are we going to suffer by what the English government are trying to do? We had a famine years ago. Are they trying to create another one? I feel our government need to stand up now instead of letting the UK and the EU uh, take over. Well I suppose the issue with 
I don't know, food shortages or problems with food will only arise if there's a no deal Brexit and God knows with Boris in control it's looking more and more like a no deal Brexit and it's fresh produce things like agri-foods fruit and veg because they are the items that we import through the United Kingdom it would mean for a short period immediately after a no deal Brexit that the food would be in short supply but I think it's only going would be for a very short period of time confectionery is another thing because we we bring in an awful lot of confectionery and baked goods that we buy them from the UK they could become a little bit more expensive and then of course it's the UK land bridge that's the roads and the ports that Irish trucks use to get our products to the EU and vice versa. That's going to be an issue on a no-deal Brexit. 53% of Irish goods exports to all countries other than the UK, but they're transported via the UK. So certainly there will be problems. But a lot of those problems will only be if there's a no-deal Brexit. We'll still keep our fingers crossed and hope and hope that there will be some kind of uh, a deal. Now, advice, please. Uh, Our listeners are always great to pass on advice to other listeners. This is a kind of a heartbreaking one. Hi. Could you or your listeners please help me? Would anyone have advice on bed wetting? I have a son of six who still wets the bed. I have tried everything. Yes, I've used those alarms. I've tried waking him up. I've tried giving no drinks after six o'clock. It's very hard on him as he can't go for sleepovers with his friends as he would end up having to wear pull-ups. And when you're six... You don't want your friends seeing that you're wearing pull-ups. God help them. It's one of those age-old things, isn't it? Some children take to dryness at night and they do it, you know, nearly in the bat of an eye. They never have any accidents. And then for whatever reason, other children, it just takes longer. So has anybody any suggestions? We're at a six-year-old and you don't want to start making a big deal out of it for the little fella's sake, but also for Mammy and the you know, hopefully with the pull-ups you're not doing the endless washing of the sheets but I'm sure that there's probably some still some accidents that are happening that the pull-ups are not catching everything. I mean that in itself is a nightmare having to wash all of the sheets but thank God I suppose in a way for pull-ups. Anyway, advice please to our listener with a six-year-old little boy trying to get him dry at night. Anyone with suggestions please were you faced with a similar situation yourself and if so how did you get around it what are, what, what are your success stories on it Yesterday the High Court quashed the decision of on board Planola to permit the construction of a plastics factory at Poundlick just outside Skibbereen Joining me from the group Save Our Skibbereen uh, is the chairperson Brendan McCarthy Good morning to you Brendan Good morning Patricia uh, This has been quite a long battle How was the news received in Skibbereen yesterday? I was usually positively received by anyone I met. Um, you know, there was a great buzz around the place and uh, on the streets of Skibreen and our social media outlets. There was huge, positive, congratulatory messages and, you know, generally a great day for Skibreen. An emotional day, long road, with uh, our first victory on the road. And I saw a quote from you in the paper today saying you're not going to be jumping on the rooftops. It's about common sense prevailing. Is is that your sense this morning absolutely, as well? Absolutely, yeah. <clears throat> you know, we had a couple of bad days the last two Decembers and um, we were gracious in our acceptance of those and I think we remain gracious in humility. It's not us against anyone else locally here. It's, it's uh, the successful and common sense conclusion of a process. Now, Daily uh, Products uh, Limited uh, have 
as of yet haven't responded to our offer uh, to join us with their uh, reaction. But what is your feeling as to what they will do now? Well, I suppose it's all kind of still up in the air. It's not It's not 100% finished. Um, in the High Court, it was me as the named appellant against on board Penala, the state and the Attorney General. And it's on board Penala and the state have conceded on a particular point of law, the case to us. Um, the board will have an opportunity to go back to Daily Products, RTP, and they can ask them to submit a Natura impact statement. And if they wish to do that, they're looking at kind of a year, year and a half of a process to get that in. And it's, not, it's a fairly fundamental issue. It's not just a they forgot one page or one document or anything like that they can easily submit. It's it's a fairly significant some stumbling block in their way. And then if they wish to go ahead with that, it's back to courts and you're looking at another couple of years in courts. So they've already they started this process in twenty fifteen, July twenty fifteen, made initial contact with the county council and so that's four years ago and potentially another four years. I optimistically thinking yesterday that they'll see <clears throat> look at all that and the level of opposition to it here locally that hopefully they'll do the decent thing and just disappear. And that that level of opposition, uh, Brendan, appears to be growing. <clears throat> yeah, it's huge. Like if, when we announced this yesterday on our Facebook page, there was about 12,000 people reached by yeah. that post. And that's, yeah. that, that, you know, that, um, it has, and since the decision came out in December and I was talking to yourself, and thanks to you for airing this issue all the way along. Um, the support has been huge, yeah. Like, um, we raised about 20,000 in a couple of weeks, like, considering it was the time of the year when Christmas was, mm-hmm. and then into January is a hard month for raising money for any cause. Um, like, we've raised about 40,000 so far. Like, we were in court in January. Nothing has happened since we've been adjourned five times since then, and, you know, it's just so good yesterday that, that this, stops before it starts kind of thing you know Do you have to pay legal costs? No, no. that's another positive as well that that will be sorted it's not going to we're not going to get our money back to, to the air tomorrow but but that has been agreed that the board and the state will pay maybe not 100% of our costs but almost all of our costs and we've, we've only spent about 15,000 on legal costs but that will be coming back to the group Great but then yeah. as, as this process as I said it's, um, it's not fully finished that's all is like we're not loads of people have donated small amounts big amounts and some very big amounts but no one is asking for their money back and stuff and we like and we're we said everyone we're not just a, a bunch saying no to a plastic factory we have an alternative vision for that site something that's much more sustainable and more fitting in with rain in the area which is. which is <clears throat> well a kind of a green vision like this have a kind of a community space that, plenty of trees like who would object to using the 40 or 50,000 that we've raised to plant 40 or 50,000 trees no one's going to complain about that and say look at this and have kind of an open space arboretum for performances different things the kids park whatever it's been a great week, hasn't it, for the environment for in, in West Cork. We're going to be Absolutely, speaking a little yeah. bit later on about the, the mechanical extraction of the kelp from, from Bantry Bay and they had some good news as well earlier in the week. They had, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, that's another long battle and only a few miles over the road from us. And, you know, we've been liaising with that group and they've been asking us, we've been asking them. They were a bit ahead of us on the road. But it's, oh, it's an amazing week. And sandwiched between the two of you, Fionn Ferreira's 
um, grant, winning of the bursary. Yeah, yeah, and and his and his project is on is on yeah. plastics. Is on extracting but, yeah. microplastics from, from the ocean. The ocean. <laughs> they're linked. You know. They're linked as well. Uh, um, and by the way, to people, we were hoping to speak with Fionn today, but he got in late last night and he's jet lagged. So we're leaving him alone, and, and we will talk yeah. to him uh, tomorrow. Uh, all right. So so uh, a good news day, and you'll just you'll, you'll take the good news, but you're not. You, you you still can't give up on this. No, no, no. And we're not going to give up, even if it is <clears throat> this process is finished. As I said, we're we're here to show and we've always shown that there's so much other positive kind of visions that could be had for that site since Gibraltar. That site hasn't been touched in 40 years, you know, so um, but we're not going away, you know, and I hope the daily family from Drina and the RTP, they've seen that loud and clear that we're not going away. We're not we're not a bunch of amateurs down here in West Cork. We've got some serious people backing us and we've got a great legal team in Dublin and has been proved yesterday. But, like, you know, locally, as I said, this is not us against anyone locally here, and I'm not bashing anybody locally, and never did. As I said, we were gracious in defeat, we'll be gracious in victory. Well done. It's the, a, but, but, a hugely positive day for Skibbereen. By the way, and I can see some questions, and I was going to ask it, the the Natura impact statement. <clears throat> yeah. That an environmental impact statement, is it? It's, yeah, like, this Natura sites are kind of sites, significant sites that are to be protected and if any development is to happen within 15 kilometres of a Natura site there has to be appropriate kind of assessment and screening to make sure that everything is okay with the development in relation to being so close to the site so we've got Lockine the most you know Natura site in the whole of the country the only saltwater lake in Europe is 3 kilometres from this site and we've also got another one Roaring Water Bay in the islands the, any water in Skibreen that's flowing off any site eventually makes its way into the Island River which flows into Roaring Water Bay and then we've got a third one which is called Sheep's Head to Towhead and again the, so that's three natural sites within the 15 kilometre um, distance that has to be applied for zoning so <clears throat> you know it's not an easy thing for them to overcome yeah. and we'd be involved at all stages in the process um, if there's any if they do decide to go ahead and um, there's correspondence between the board and the developers. I and our group will be um, witness to all that and have an opportunity to comment on whatever is submitted. Okay. So it's, uh, and it's very easy for us to defend those three sites and not as easy for them to say everything is crystal clear and pristine. You know. We'll keep in contact with you, Brendan. In the meantime, thank you. You've always been great to make yourself available uh, to us uh, when, whenever we want to discuss this issue. So thank you for that. No, and, and thank uh, you as well, as I said to the show, <coughs> for airing this all the way along. Well, our pleasure. Thanks for that, Thanks uh, Brendan. Bye bye. And yes, we did ask uh, Daily Products Limited uh, to join us, but as of yet, they haven't even responded to our request to join us on the programme as to where they want to go from here. Children with scoliosis were promised they would have to wait no more than four months for surgery. That was the commitment that was made back in February of 2017. West Cork Doll Deputy Margaret Murphy O'Mahony has expressed extreme disappointment to hear that a young schoolboy in her constituency is waiting nearly a year. And she joins me uh, to outline the story. Good morning to you, Margaret. Good morning, Patricia. Um, now, uh, for obvious reasons, we're not identifying the young boy uh, here uh, other than his age. He's, he's 15. Tell me about his condition. Well, this boy, uh, Patricia, is suffering from what's called key forces. So it is actually more or less the same as scoliosis. I think you and your listeners will be very familiar with scoliosis. So it's a spinal disorder in which an excessive 
outward curve of the spine results in an abnormal rounding of the upper back. So it's more or less the same as scoliosis. The curve just goes in a different way. And he's had this condition since birth? Uh, well, he was diagnosed in August last year, so a year ago. Okay. And what's important to point out, with timely surgery, the treatment for this condition is relatively straightforward. Okay, so it's just a pity that it wasn't nipped in the bud. Um, unfortunately, then, um, it, by January, it developed into severe, severe uh, kyphosis. And this boy has been on the urgent waiting list since January and still waits. So back in February 2017, the minister did promise that no child or adolescent would be waiting longer than four months. And unfortunately, our boy here is waiting a year, which is um, just... And as soon as... And when, when he was diagnosed August of last year, Margaret, his consultant would have said at that stage, you need an operation to sort this out. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. So, so he, he is a year. Been put on the list. Yeah. So he is. He is a year. He's a year waiting, and then it progresses because it gets worse because yes. the operation didn't happen, and then you move to an urgent, and and he's still waiting. How is yes. the lack of surgery affecting his life? So it, it's it's really badly affecting him, like psychologically, physically. This boy is in pain. Uh, he's a 15-year-old boy uh, who should be living life to the full. So it's having a detrimental effect on him and indeed his family. As a mother myself, I can, you know, really, really identify with what this family are going through. And it just seems ridiculous, especially after this promise was made that, you know, waiting this long. The promise was four months. I suppose it can maybe go in. You could accept maybe even up to five months. But, like, this is a year and this boy is getting worse. So the condition like progressed to, to a severe state, you know, which was very, very unnecessary. And in January of this year, there were 69 children listed as waiting for spinal fusion operations. So, so this would include um, the boy in Bandon. However, by July this year, the figure had risen to 102. And the problem, Patricia, is that there is only one operating theatre available to children uh, requiring this procedure. And not only is there only one theatre, but this only operates three days a week. So in order for all the children who are on the list, and you must remember that this list can grow at any time, obviously, but just to cover the children on the list, it will take over eight months. And it's only so, one ho- it's only probably only one hospital in Dublin, is it, that does the operations? It. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and it's just—it's the thought, Margaret, of this boy being in pain from from yes. for the mother for the parents. That yes. must be horrific to watch your child yes. in pain. You know, whatever. Yes. But if you're in pain, to be told, well, look, it'll be all sorted because next Monday you're going for your operation. Yes. But they have to sit and look at him every day in pain, yeah. and there's yeah. nothing they can do for him. Yes, it's very very hard. As they not only on him but but on his family, and for something that could be resolved and something that if it was operated on at the start would not have you know would not have led to all of this so if the four-month promise was kept this boy would not 
have developed into the severe condition that he's in now. So I have spoken to Minister Harris and a lady in his department. I've also contacted Eilish Hardiman, who is the chief executive of the Children's Health Ireland. Mm. And I've also contacted the patient advocacy department in Crumlin. Now, there is a scheduled meeting going ahead on Friday. And at this meeting, they will be planning the theatre slots for the next eight weeks. So I have implored that this boy will be included in, you know, in in that. Yeah, you know, I think at this stage, Margaret, just for them to get a date. Yes. uh, You know, that will bring some kind of psychological relief to them. Yeah, yeah. And again, you think that even that should be very easily done. Give this boy and his parents and family a date, something to walk towards. And if it's an eight-week slot that they're planning, and this boy gets on it, at least you yeah. know it will bring them. Relief. Well, he'll be he'll be done by the end of September, but it's yes. it's still you know he'd still have gone well over the one-year waiting list at that stage. But listen, well if if it's well a successful operation, he can put that behind him and yes. and, and be done with yes. it. And please God, it will all work out in the end. But. I suppose I just wanted to highlight that this promise was made and it's not kept and it's grand to talk about, you know, broken promises and etc. But at the end of this promise is a family that I am working with and it's not only this family. I mean, there are 102 children and adolescents waiting on this list today, waiting for a date. And they're all children requiring spinal surgery that yes. we can nearly say 100% of those children are in pain at some stage during the day are, are yes. in extreme discomfort. Some of them in constant pain. Oh. You know, and it's, it's, it's just, it's, I think there's something very, very heartbreaking to see a child particularly in pain. Anybody in pain is wrong, but a child is particularly hard to, to watch. And again, this is, in my opinion, unnecessary. Okay, listen, will you, um, are, are you hoping to hear good news on Friday? I am. I okay. am. And I will let you know. Please do. Please do. Cause I, I, know, I know listeners will want to know as well. Listen, Margaret, yes. thank you for that. Thank you. And uh, thanks for highlighting the case. Uh, good morning to you. That is Deputy Margaret Murphy O'Mahony, West Cork Doll Deputy, highlighting that 15-year-old, isn't it? Just a year ago, you know, this time last year, realising I have a bit of an issue with my back. What's going on? Goes in, has all of the... the x-rays done and the examinations done and don't you know probably been sent from one consultant to another where they're trying to work out exactly what's wrong with the young lad and then they discover this type similar to a scoliosis need to have an operation once you have the operation you'll be fine little did he think or his parents think a year later he would still be waiting to even get a date to say when they're going to do the operation. So fingers crossed that we'll have some good news for that lad on Friday and that sooner rather than later he can get the operation over and done with and he can go back to resuming what normal life should be for a 15-year-old. 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your calls. There's some commentary in on the bed wetting that I mentioned earlier. We have a listener contacted us, her little son. He's only six bedwetting. She's tried one of those alarms that you can put on the bed. She's tried waking him up and I'm assuming lifting him to bring him to the bathroom in the middle of the night. She's tried drinks 
limiting all fluids after six o'clock. Nothing's working, but very hard to him. And he's getting to the stage now at six because he started school and they want to do sleepovers. He can't do sleepovers because he'd have to wear a pull-up and then the other boys would see him wearing a pull-up and, and he just, you know, what are you doing wearing the nappy? You can just imagine what would go on. And children are cruel without even meaning to be cruel. So she's just looking for any kind of advice, uh, please. Uh, somebody had suggested, uh, is there any constipation issue going on? Because constipation, if you're constipated in any way, it can cause problems. But I'm assuming no, the fact that this this mother's really on top of it, I'm assuming they've ruled out there's any medical problem. It's just, it really is something that this child now has built up. And what can often happen is if you don't get a handle on it, it just almost becomes like a psychological, like an anxiety thing almost. But here's a really good suggestion in from a listener to say, there is a website called Hand in Hand Parenting. I'm going to take a look at this after because I haven't come across it before. Uh, that's the answer for that mother. It's life changing, says this listener. It describes a thing called play listening, where connected and attuned play can stop anxiety, bed, wetting. And I'm assuming from the tone of that text that it worked for this listener. OK, so Hand in Hand Parenting. That's the name of the website if our listener wants to give that a try. Thank you uh, for your commentary in on that. 1850-333-103. Text WhatsApp 0862-103-103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Some of your texts and calls coming in. Texter says, congratulations to the Save Our Skibbereen group that we spoke with in the last hour about the plastics factory uh, not going ahead now for now in uh, Skibbereen. Congratulations to them and to all of their supporters, says this texter. It is fantastic news. Please God, we'll have some success in the Bally Desmond Sleeve Lucra region with regard to the wind farm and the energy storage compound. People power can achieve so much, says this texter. And while we're getting similar calls and texts in from people saying well done to Brendan and the Save Our Skibbereen uh, group and people saying that it is people power and you know if you really feel strongly about something you have to protest, you have to get together as a group and as a community and that's very much what they've done in the Skibbereen and the surrounding areas and they've had support not just from Skibbereen, they've had support from outside the area as well but not everyone is agreeing with what the Save Our Skibbereen group is doing. Tim for example says Trish I've said it before and I'll say it again a few cranks, that's Tim's words not mine, like those in Skibbereen that's what will shut this country down and others are picking up on the issue of the possibility of jobs that could have been created including Anne in Skibbereen said while I'm against plastics and single use plastics what about the jobs aspect Jobs have been lost for Skibbereen and the Mizzen area, while we have a number of tech companies setting up in Skibbereen, which is great. But it's the industrial jobs that a lot of young people want that could have been available at this plastics uh, factory. What is going to replace those potential jobs? I always worry when I hear people use the argument that we need an industry to go ahead because of jobs. It can't all be about jobs. You've got to stop and think jobs at what cost? When you, We have to look at the environment. We have to. We know we are destroying the environment. And if we are putting industries in, we've got to make sure that it's the right fit for the area. I'm not, even though with... It's the fact that it's a plastics factory and it's making a compound for plastics. You can't think with everybody turning against plastics. Do we even need industry like this? But I suppose there must be a market. And, you know, why would the company be setting up if they didn't see a potential to make money and, and a market for it? But you have to think of the impact on the wider area. 
we can't have jobs just for the sake of jobs if the knock-on effect is going to be something that in 10 years' time would have huge regret that a particular industry came to town. And, you know, it's one of the reasons that I think local people have been so concerned about it. They want to make sure that this is the right fit. They definitely feel it's not the right fit for that area. Thank you for your calls this morning on bedwetting. Sean says reflexology is a great cure for bedwetting. Never heard that before. Would it be hard to, would a six-year-old, yes, was a six-year-old, would they enjoy reflexology? Certainly is an, an alternative. It might be something that might work. And I get the sense from the mammy who's contacted us with her six-year-old boy. She's desperate. She's just, and she's desperate for the little boy's sake. She wants it all sorted out so that he can, you know, carry on being a normal little six-year-old boy and go off and have his sleepovers with his mates without the, he can't go because he's not going to bring a pull-up and he's too embarrassed to bring a pull-up uh, with him. Karen has passed on a great piece of information. She says that the HSC run, what are basically incontinence clinics for uh, children, it's run by the local public health nurse, Karen. Karen went along because she was having similar problems with her daughter. Within a week, all the bedwetting had ended and her daughter was fine. They give great practical advice. Really good to go along uh, to. And you can find out more about it on the HSC's website, www.hsc.ie. And if you look under bedwetting, it'll tell you when the next clinic is going to be held. So that's a good piece of advice. And I wasn't aware of that. Uh, that but that's very practical advice. I don't know if there's a waiting list for that clinic or not. I imagine that there isn't because there isn't a huge number of children affected by this. So if our mammy wants to contact the HSC about their bedwetting clinic or if she knows the public health nurse in her area, she might be able to get directly onto the public health nurse and get a slot on that clinic. Thank you for that. 1850 A listener says, Patricia, this is Christine. Sorry, Christine. Shouldn't mention your name when you're good enough to put it on the WhatsApp. Uh, Christine says, did you see the case of the school boy who fell over in the playground, broke his, le- broke his wrist and then tried to school to the school? Have we gone mad? No wonder we're hearing cases of children not being allowed to run in playgrounds. And it was a case, actually, I had it on my desk for mention yesterday, but we got too busy and I didn't get around to it. It was a case that made me go, oh, I've heard it all now, kind of a case. In case you haven't heard it, it came out from Ennis Circuit Court. And well done to the judge. Let's name him. He's a judge by the name of Gerald Keyes. He dismissed the case. It was a 14-year-old by the name of Julius Croca. Hope I'm pronouncing Julius Croca's name properly. He was going to an educate together school. And the case was taken through his mother, obviously, because he's under 18. And the claim was that the football he was kicking wasn't properly inflated. And that caused him to fall over and to break his wrist. So he went to court suing for damages. He was 12 at the time. And his legal team claimed that the football was deflated to between 60 and 70 percent. Now, how they came up with that figure, I don't know. He said that he fell, he went to kick the ball and he fell backwards and his instinct was to put out his left hand and he did. And guess what? His wrist snapped. Now, the school gave evidence to say they had a different version of events and said he actually didn't make contact with the ball at all because there was a special needs assistant out in the playground at the time because I think in all the playgrounds when you know the children are out either on their small break or their big break and if boys will be boys kicking football around and having a great 
bit of fun. There's usually always teachers and just kind of supervise and make sure everything's okay. So lo and behold, wasn't there a special needs assistant very close to where this game of footy was going on with the other boys. And this special needs assistant said, who was only 10 feet away from the accident, so he had clear view, he said that the young lad went to kick the ball, but he never connected with the ball and he actually fell over. You know, you stumble. We've, you know, we've all done it at some stage and lots of boys have done it and girls and will continue to do it into the uh, future School are saying there was absolutely no problem at all with the ball. Anyway, it went before the uh, judge and the judge throughout the case, the judge actually said that he thought the case was extraordinary and says that if this case was to succeed, I think you would have to stop playing football altogether in schools. He said the schoolboy lost his balance and when he put his hand out to try to save himself from falling, he broke his wrist. I'm afraid, says the judge, that's an accident. These things happen. But then the real sting in the tail for the family involved here, the judge awarded costs against the plaintiff, against the schoolboy, saying this is a case where a message has to go out. Where some actions are brought, there is a risk of costs being awarded against you. So that's the really unusual one on this. And that I'm hoping that when that message gets out, that that might act as a deterrent. And that's the kind of story and the kind of case that we've mentioned before. We've all remembered when we were in school ourselves where... uh, Somebody fell over, there was a leg broken, there was a wrist broken, there was an arm broken. The, the child was looked after, the parents were called, taken to the accident and emergency plaster of Paris was put on and they were usually heroes for a couple of weeks afterwards with everybody wanting to sign the plaster of Paris. But why do we straight away think that we have to run to the courts and get money out of, out of these cases? So well done, well done to that judge. And actually that's the same judge and it was at Ennis Court as well, not on the same day, no, it was on a... On, on another day last week were seven personal injury cases that could have had a combined total of €420,000 from a rear-ending road crash were dismissed again before this uh, judge and the motor assessor said the two cars never actually collided and it was a case of both cars were full. There was four in one car, three in another. They all took, they all took the case, all claiming to have soft tissue damage but when they got into court the Motor Insurance Bureau of Ireland well done they said the claim was set up disappointing then to hear the judge says no finding of fraud has been made and that's the beginning and the end uh, of it and the judge chirped in and said um, I'm not saying this is fraud which is it is, is a pity it's a, it's a pity really you'd like to prove that it was a case of fraud but uh, when they, they looked at it in court, they were able to prove that the two cars never made contact. There was no paint transfer between the cars and it was likely the damage done to the front car was due to it being reversed into a pole and the damage to the other car was consistent with it being driven over a traffic uh, island. Uh, so uh, that got thrown out of uh, court. Well, half of them turned up in court and got thrown out and three of them failed to show up. Maybe they got a wind that they were going to get nothing out of it. But it's cases like that and the young lad with the football falling over and breaking his wrist. That's the reason all of us are paying so much more in our insurance premiums and why we're hearing such difficulty with things like the leisure industry, why they are going out of business because they can't get insurance. It This compensation culture has got 
to stop. 1850 333 103. Lines open. C103 Jobs. Production operators are wanted for thermosafe brands in Mallow's Quartertown Industrial Estate. Health and Safety Officer is wanted for Ring a Skiddy. And Teens Tots, their child care in Navarre. They have full and part-time childcare positions available. And a part-time maintenance person is wanted three days per week. It's for the Maria Goretti Nursing Home, and that's in Kilmallock. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. 1850-333-103. Now, in a couple of minutes, we're going to be going to one of the farmers that's involved in the protest outside Abandoned Mart. But I want to go to a Vox Pop first because Fiona Corcoran, our senior news reporter, has gone along to the meat factory outside of Bandon and she spoke to some of the farmers there. I'm not a farmer, I'm actually an agricultural contractor but I make my living through far- from the farmers and I think it's a disgrace to think that the other farmers will come here today with their cattle. They should stay at home, support the people that are here because it's in everybody's benefit and at the way it is going, it's going to close all Ireland and the ones that are coming in here today, they'll be closed down before long if they keep coming the way they're going. So I think that all farmers should stand together. Do you think, so you're making a direct call to farmers today to not come in here? I'm making a direct call to farmers and it's very sad to think that the people are here, that are staying up all night, that are, are actually doing their job, uh, that they're being, um, the other farmers that come in and being Judas's, doing what they're doing, uh, upsetting the, the ones that are trying to fight for, for a good cause. You obviously have spoken to a lot of farmers in this area. What's the kind of atmosphere, what's the mood like amongst farmers now? Every farmer is totally depressed. We can even see the amount of suicides that's in farming. The way the whole thing is going, give it another four or five years, there won't be nobody left in Northern Ireland. Well, it's a disgrace what the factories are doing at the moment with the price of our beef. We're trying to make a living on the farm, and it's impossible to way farmers are being treated by the factories nowadays. All we want is a fair price for our beef. We don't have any schemes coming in to this country. We want a fair price for our beef. That's all we want. It's a rare old family on our land. And we're, it's a disgrace what they're giving us for our beef at the moment. Have you got a young family? I have indeed. I have children in college and, and national school. So you have children in college, so that's obviously a very expensive time. So do you worry all the time about where the next book is coming from to fund everybody? Yes, of course, yeah. Everybody's in the same situation here. And it's about time our government cop on and do something about it. It's gone on long enough now. It's gone on for years and years. We're below the price of production for our beef, and it's a disgrace. Do you, are you afraid for the future? Do you fear that you might have to go out of business eventually? Well, we'll be out of business before long. Like, I have a young fellow at home. Like, there's no way I'd encourage him to go into farming. No way. Or my daughter either. And does that make you sad that you've made this your livelihood, farming, and if the circumstances were different, you would like to maybe encourage your children to follow in your footsteps, but because of the way things are and how difficult it is that you're actually asking them to think of other careers? Well, like my son, no. Like, for to make a living in farming the way beef has gone at the moment, it's completely useless. Like, it's just, it's an on-runner at the moment. Like, we see farmers up the road here. If we all stick together, we will accomplish a better price for our beef. But we need to come together. That's the problem. We have to stay together on this. I'm Mary. Life, a farmer at the moment is very tough. Yes, because we're getting nothing for our produce. Absolutely nothing, 345, 350 kilo for our prime Irish beef. 
Like, it is a battle thing. All we want is fair play, playing field for everybody. That's all. Have you been a beef farmer for long? All my life. And have you ever seen it as bad as it is now? No, no. I don't think I've ever seen it as bad. I've young young family growing up that wants to go farming and there's no future for them. None whatsoever. And they actually want to go into farming? They want to go into farming. One or two of them in particular. And there is no way he has a green cert done and there's no way there's a, a living for him in farming. He has no choice to go away out of the country. Out of West Cork anyway. Is that upsetting for you, having had been a farmer all your life? It is, yes. We're a dying generation. A dying generation. I'm in my 50s. And we're a dying generation. You must be at breaking point if you're here 24 hours since Sunday. I'm not here through choice. I have no choice. I have no choice. So, so we're not going to get anything like... We might as well be all dead and gone. Out of rural Ireland. There's, no, there's nobody doing anything for us like. God, it's tough to hear somebody in their 50s saying we're a dying generation, isn't it? Right? There was some of the farmers speaking with Fiona Corcoran, a senior news reporter who is down at uh, APB Meat Factory in Bandon. Farmer on Farmers Dennis says, for the Farmers United, we stand, divided we fall. While John is saying this morning, the meat factories are offering four euro a kilo just to get farmers in to pass that picket line. That's why the farmers are trying to pass the picket line today that is way more than they were offering yesterday or indeed last week. We're going to take a break and we'll come back and we'll go live to that protest at the APP meat factory in C103 brings you Farm Talk with John O'Connor. Saturdays at 10am and Wednesdays at 10pm. New methods of slurry spreading are helping limit greenhouse gas emissions in farming. I suppose one big consideration with that is if you put out slurry with the band spreader on the trailing shoe, a lot of farmers are still familiarising themselves with the use of the equipment. Turn on Farm Talk with Dairy Gold Agribusiness for quality feed, expert service and support you can trust. Only on C103. As we've been hearing on our news and our Vox pop there a couple of minutes ago, beef farmers are continuing protesting outside of meat factories across the country and they promise that they'll do it until further notice to outline why. I'm joined by Bantry farmer Helen O'Sullivan of the Beef Plan Movement who is outside the APB meat factory in Bandon. Good morning to you, Helen. Good morning, Trisha. Thanks um, for having me on. Well, you're, you're more than welcome. Describe the scene and what the atmosphere is like at the meat factory in Bandon this morning. Well, I tell you, Patricia, now there's an awful lot of angry farmers here and very frustrated. Um, we're here since last Sunday evening. Um, we've only got four hours sleep in the last three days. We slept here outside the factory. Uh, farmers can't take any more, Patricia. We just can't. We're, we're at a wit's end here now. We're getting hit after hit after hit, and it's not good enough. Um, the factories are offering 3.45 a kg here. It's a way below cost production, and we cannot make a living out of it. It's just not good enough. We heard from someone that they were offering €4 Euro today just to get farmers in. Is that true? Yes, unfortunately, the the ABP Bannon did select a few people and uh, offered them four euros a kg to entice them to bring in their cattle. And oh, unfortunately, it worked. Unfortunately, you know, some farmers cannot see the wood from the trees here. And farmers, uh, not just farmers, but um, people, agents possibly, came in with cattle. And they got, um, it was, has been rumoured, they got four euros a kg. And we've done be getting 290 for the same animal. These would be freesian cows, uh, zero grade. So that's that's very that's very disheartening to see that happening, Patricia. And are they um, allowed to do that to handpick who they'll yes, pay more I mean, to? 
like, like, are, this is the question. Can they do that? I mean, if they offered us four euros, we wouldn't be here today. I mean, we need to get a cost reduction. We, we, our livelihoods at risk. We've a lot of work to do. Our farms are put on hold. We're here for four days now. We've a lot more things to be doing than here in the freezing cold 24-7 for the last four days. Do you know what I mean, Patricia? Are you, I mean, are why you... can't they offer... Like, the thing here, Patricia, is that, like, um, the price of meat hasn't come down the shop, but yet the, the price is going down with the farmer the whole time. So who's so, making the profit? So who's making the profit here? Is it the retailer? Is it the factory person? Because it's certainly not the farmer. We're bad and sick of it. We cannot put up with it anymore. And we won't take it anymore. This is the straw that has broke the camel's back. Farmers are at the wits in. They're worn out. I can barely talk to myself. I've only four hours sleep for the last three nights. It is not good enough. So it is not. Are, okay. you, are you impeding the work of the factory in any way? Are you stopping farmers going in? Well, we'd asked the farmers. We told the farmers... What, what we're what we're about, and we've asked them could they support us. Some of them have, some have. We've stopped nobody. They're gone in there. They're going in there now with their own cattle at the moment. We haven't stopped them. We asked them to support us. We've asked them to see, like, just because they're getting paid four euros for an animal, we're not per kg. So what, what we're looking for is a fair price for every farmer here today, and that that fair price, Patricia, is a cost production plus the margin. We're the primary producer here. We're producing these cattle. Some of us are keeping them for up to two years. And all we're getting is two euros and 10 kgs worth of meat is two euros after two years. And the price of meat has gone up by 8% this year inside the shop. Yeah, there's nobody buying cheap meat. That's, there's nobody that's buying for cheap sure. meat. So price, the price of meat is up in the shops, supermarkets, and the, they're trying to get the prices back down here at the private producer. It's just not good enough. We can't make a living out of this producer. What about the announcement last week of the 100 million fund in the beef exceptional aid? <laughs> The 100 million fund, when that's divided out amongst each and every person that deserves to get it, it's only coming out like something like 400 or something extra to the person. And since then, the price of the meat has dropped down to 3.45 a kg. When they made that um, agreement with the 100 million, they had priced the cattle at 3.70 kg. They didn't even give it up in the first first incident. So they didn't. 100 million is not... It sounds a lot, but... Sounds a lot, but when you divide it up, yeah. Okay, in your opinion, what's a fair price? Well, I can, a fair price to us farmers is a cost reduction plus a margin to make a living. That not only will you be running the farmers off the land, you'll be closing down rural Ireland, Patricia. It'll have a knock-on effect on co-ops, marts, um, local butchers, local shops, GA, schools. It'll be post offices, everything will be closed down because farmers cannot make a living at that. And it's just not good enough. And I- all we're looking for here is a cost reduction and uh, a margin just to make our hard work pay for us because we cannot live the way we're living here this is not good enough and there will be no there will be no young generation coming into farming because all this, a lot of people that are here today are elderly old men and women that are exhausted and can't take any more and I've talked to a man and a woman here today and last Sunday and they're here since and these are people in their 80s they said they were never in their life on a picket line this is the first time ever but they said if they'll be bought out of here dead they said they're not going to leave here until we get some oh, bit of a, a leeway here now we're the, the manager of the factory is coming out here and I see him coming out at the moment and we're going to ask him some questions so yeah yeah so, okay, do you want to go and, and talk to him? Yeah, well, okay. I, 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 we're you, you, this man here to try and get a fair... A fair okay, I'll, um, I'll, I'll let you go and talk to him because I want to talk... Thanks for that, Helen. I want to talk to Michael Collins, who I'm told is on the other line, and we, we'll, we can go back to Helen after she's spoken with that gentleman. Michael, you've been... Nego- Good morning to you, Michael. This is Good morning. Collins. You've been negotiating with, with Gardaí... Um, what, what's going on there? What's, what's happening that you need to well, negotiate with the Gardaí? 
I came uh, here on, on Sunday evening for a peaceful protest and I was here Sunday night and I was here again uh, Monday and yesterday. Uh, and what we're trying to do is, uh, it, it, this is a, a peaceful protest, uh, but we're trying to get a message across that Irish beef farmers are literally on their knees. We're talking about farmers that, you know, provide 30,000, each beef farmer provides 30,000 to the local economy and they're going out of business. You drop, keep dropping t- many 30,000 out of a local community and you know with the further closures in rural Ireland. We were making out here and we were, we were making out people's income here. Most beef farmers, believe it or not, Patricia, are earning four euros an hour. Four euros an hour. Now, no one in their living mind could expect anybody to live in four euros an hour. There was a hundred million announced by the minister in, in the last few days. And I welcome any announcement uh, for beef farmers. If you qualify, and that's if you qualify, uh, for that, uh, part of that hundred million, it would mean these farmers will be earning four sixty an hour for one year. So um, that's what we're looking at, 4.60 a day, uh, per hour, sorry, per, uh, per day. This is an incredible situation we're left in. The minister sat idly by and continuously to sit idly by while this crisis was on. He needs to sit down with the factories. It's not that farmer needs to be in here, because there's farmer versus farmer. There's lots of farmers here queuing to get their cattle in, and I wish each and every one of them would give serious consideration here to the, and, and serious respect here to the protesters, because we definitely are not oh, trying to make But anybody. there seems to be, is there a divide now between the farmers that who've been offered the four euro today per kilo uh, and they're seeing it as you know a bit of extra profit for them so they're going in is there a bit of a divide between them and the farmers that are protesting outside there will but obviously we don't see the many farmers that didn't come here today and there is a lot of them and some people have passed the, decided not to go in beyond the, 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 the picket and we greatly appreciate them those people out there but there is there's always some people out there that want to make uh, immediate profit and get their cattle in and get their prices. But this is uh, short-term glory for long-term agony for them. OK, and let me bring, let me bring Helen O'Driscoll uh, back in. You didn't get to talk to that man. You were trying to talk to Helen. I didn't. I didn't, Patricia, no. Um, OK. Because, who uh, is it? Who, who are you hoping to speak with? Um, he, uh, it's, a rep, it's a rep from the factory. We just All want right. to ask him some questions. And we're just looking okay. For All right. So where do you go from here, Helen? You can't remain... 24 hours a day outside no, I mean you're all going to get very unwell yes that's true I mean I've only had 4 hours sleep myself and the rest of the people that are here with me for the, the last two nights but we're just hoping Patricia like I just wanted to say as well also that there was an awful lot of farmers and, and in fairness to them and we'd like to thank them very much for what they've done they've cancelled a lot of uh, their cattle to come in here to the factories to show respect and a lot of farmers turned away when they saw what was happening they said we, we're 100% behind you and you know, well done on what you're doing. And we didn't. I want to thank the people that came up with a load of sandwiches and food and drink and everything and supported us 100%. Patricia, they can see our concerns here. You know, um, well, I suppose from here we're just hoping. You know, I'll find out um, how my colleagues got on here with the with the rep from the factory. And look, like I said, all we want here is a cost reduction. That's all we look for. We're not looking for over and above a cost reduction and a margin. And what is life. what is that figure per kg? Do you believe? Well, see, I can't put a figure on that because. Oh, you know the competition authority then will be on to me but oh, right, okay. the figure would be cost of our production whatever it costs to produce it and plus a margin to make a livelihood sure isn't that what every other person is getting out yeah, of their, yeah. their, their job you know? alright we'll, we'll touch base with you again later on uh, Helen um, thank you for that thanks and um, uh, thanks for joining us and uh, let me um, I might like to put you on hold there was a lot of noise there in the background no, are, right. you go- are you going to remain there I am going to remain uh, here. You know, they need support. A lot of these farmers have been here since Sunday evening, sleeping, and uh, only maybe an hour or two here and there. Um, And the support they'll get from every farmer and every farmer in order to come out here today. And also, 
and also the, the shopkeepers, the people of the town who who must realise that if these people go to business, it's quite possible they're the next to go to business after them. So I'd ask and urge everybody to come here. It's a peaceful protest. It's sending a very clear message to the minister. He needs to sit up and wake up, and he needs to sit down with the fact that they need to rise the prices immediately to give for farmers beef farmer survival in rural Ireland. Okay, we'll talk again. Uh, thank you for that, um, Michael, and thanks uh, for joining us. That is West Cork Doll Deputy Michael Collins, who's also at that uh, protest. Now, we heard earlier from Fiona who was speaking with some of the farmers who were protesting. We now have some of the farmers who were queuing to get into the market. These are the farmers who were been told some have been offered four euro a day and John and Domanway says the ones that have been offered four kilo today to bring their cattle uh, in. A cow you br- bring, you would bring in yesterday and a cow you would bring in today there would be 300 euro in the difference so you can understand why some farmers are trying to get in to the uh, plant. Fiona spoke to some of the farmers trying to get in and here's what they had to say. Well we were told by the, the, the group protesting this morning that we we're not allowed we're not allowed to pass the picket and they're not going to move, they're going to lie down in front of us and um, they're not going to they're not going to give way until they get a better deal for their beef. And why have you guys decided to come in here rather than support the protest? Well, um, we consider ourselves to be supporting the people who are in protest, but uh, we have cattle today that need to be killed um, before they go over age. Um, they, they have to be killed while they're what they call in spec. So that's why we're here today. And there's some casualty cattle as well that have to be killed as an emergency. Because they've been in the trucks for too long? No, because they've uh, acquired injuries at home, on farm and stuff like that, so they're, they've passed their vet and um, they're t- to be killed here today for humane reasons. But um, they're all stuck in the queue now also. How long have you been stuck in the queue? I'm here since half six. And are you going to just keep, are you going to stay here until you get in? Well, I have to because my bulls will be, I've only four animals, but they'll be over age um, next week. I'll put it just um, as honestly as I can. Um, there were the last couple of cattle left inside the sledded house. There's an awful lot of fine-looking fillies above around Galway for the week. And I went to head up to have a look at them tomorrow morning, which is far more interesting than watching my fellow farmers wasting their time walking around the gates of the meat factory. Why do you not support the, the protest? I mean, do you think that the beef price... It's too late. It's too little too late, yeah. Do you think that they're wasting their time here? 99% of it is wasted time, yeah. yeah. And what have you been told? Have you been told that you can't get into the plant? Oh, we're going in. We're going in. We, have, we, have, we have been told we're going in, yeah. yeah. How long have you been here this morning? Since quarter to seven. Yeah. And how do you feel now, having been waiting for the I'm last... I'm getting tired and I want to save my energy for the Galway races. Well, you've got to give him his honest. That's why he's uh, selling his uh, cattle. Uh, Dennis is in Formoy. Uh, is Dennis in Formoy? Um, uh, who is, I think, agreeing with the farmers. Morning to Dennis. Dennis. Dennis in Formoy. Good morning to you. Are, you. are you agreeing with the farmers who are protesting or are you agreeing with the farmers who are trying to get into the meat factory? I'm agreeing with the farmers, Patricia, that are protesting. Why? They are so, so right. Yeah. People can't live of what the beef farmer is getting and the sheep farmer and the grain farmer. It's, it's, it's horrible. You, you buy cattle there or you rear them and you keep them for two years 
and then the cattle don't mix, make much more than what they cost after feed. H- how can that be? No, no one can put up with that, like in all fairness. People I- must live however much the minimum wage is, Patricia, and I don't know how much it is an hour. Well, it's nearly it's, 10 euro. It's nine something. Okay. If a farmer, a beef farmer, got that, my God, it would be so good. Happy days. I mean, like they're talking there about 3.45 a kilo. You don't get 3.45 a kilo. This grading machine knocks you down, down, down. You don't get, you could average out maybe 3.10 or 20. How can people, uh, you win and you buy cattle there in the mouth and you give so much appeal from and you go to the factory with them same 10 cattle and they're graded down to dust. That machine came in about nine or ten years ago, Patricia. And it was sanctioned by the IFA. That it was a good idea. But of course, the IFA were getting money off the factory that time. Under a false name, I don't know what it was. And of course... Well, that's the levy. They, yeah, they, they still get Correct. that, don't they? The, the, the levy. They don't, they don't, now, but you y- don't have to pay it. We don't have no to pay it, yeah. It. No one has to pay it. It's, it, it, it's probably illegal if there's looked into And but yes, Patricia, Dennis, if I go into the supermarket or if I go into the butcher shop this afternoon to buy a nice couple of bits of steak for dinner, I won't be buying cheap beef. I'll be paying course. top dog for it. But so who's getting the money then? Who is actually creaming off the profit? Well, who do you think is the, doing it? Well, the factories must get profit. They have people working there. But like... Goodman Group is 180 million they secured last year or the year before that. In the name of God Almighty, where did that come from? Like, I don't mind any business getting profit. They must get business. They must get money to stay there. But Lord Jesus, the man that's producing the stock and wintering them and feeding them and after them every day, surely he's entitled to, to, to get a living. Why is he put down and put to the side all the time? You won't see the dairy farmers milk dropping down in price because the co-ops are belong to the farmers themselves, not belong to any individual group or company. And that's what the mm. farmers of Ireland should do. They should get together, build a meat plant of their own and run it like the dairy industry is run. Not to be dependent on fellas to cream you off and tell you sad stories. That is awful, awful, Patricia. People and do you stay. keep, do you keep, have you cattle? I have a course. Yeah. I have a, I keep sucklers, but I'm getting out of them this year. I can't just get money out of them. And I what will you do that. instead? Oh, I don't know, really. I don't know. Like, the best thing you could do at the moment is take in Frisian heifers from the dairy farmers, if they'll stay there, and get so much a day to keep them. Yeah. That is the best money. That is money every month. No headaches. Only feed them and look after them. Like, you take a man back in West Cork, Patricia. If 20 soccer cows, and he gets 700 apiece for his wellness, which would be a great price the fall of the year. Okay? Mm. That's 14,000 for his year. Yeah. Now, Patricia, take off expenses. Don't take off expenses. Whatever bit of a single payment he has, let that cover feeding and so on. So he has 14,000 a year. How much a week is that? God bless us almighty. And the dole would be just as good. And he'll have calves lost and he'll have cows down. Christ, Patricia. 
and all of the work, the, all the work that oh, it's... Uh, Chris in from Oi says, Patricia, I'm not a farmer, but with Brexit looming and the government backing farmers to prevent importing Brazilian beef, why are they not backing our farmers today to get an increase that we're hearing about on your programme? If our beef farmers go out of business, where will we get our beef uh, from, says uh, Chris. And listening to some of the farmers that were talking to our reporter, uh, Fiona, there, you could hear, uh, Dennis, them saying they, they, they have no sons or daughters who want to go into the business you know, one of the women, women in, in our 50s said, you know, we, we are a dying breed beef farmers. There won't be any beef farmers going forward. And you can understand listening to yourself and listening to the other farmers. If you can't make a livelihood out of it, why would you stay at it? Why would you put your family into something that they can't live out of? Yeah. Would you like to put your son and daughter? No, no, absolutely your, your, your not. Your main intention in life is to do the best you can for And you can't do that in farming. It's horrible. I, I, I can't understand why this government just stands by. I heard Varadka saying there, that's months ago there, that the meat factors are entitled to get a profit. Of course they're entitled to get a profit, but Lord God Almighty, how much is enough? So are the farmers. Are you huh? farming all your life, Dennis? Farming all my life. Have you anyone to pass? Have you children to pass the farm? Oh, on? I have, but by Jesus, they won't go farming. Will they not? No, they won't. Not. What do they, well, they want to? Patricia, there was a survey there. I know it was a tiger stunner or who done it or some crowd done it. The average, the average dairy farmer was 80,000 a year. The average beef farmer was 8,000 a year. Now, I might be out in them yeah. figures, How but can I'm you not live on? How can you live on 8,000 a year? She get, you get more in the door. A man with 20 suckling cows and get 700 a piece for his wellness. I guarantee you he put some hat trip into them to get him. And he can't stay there. And he won't stay there. But there is people, the factories, the retailers. I mean, you have this Tesco crowd that came in here to Ireland. Now, they could be here with years. They came in. They set up businesses here. They'd done away with all the small shops that were good to everyone. Right? Not alone Tesco, but every other big supermarket. Now they tell you, you can't move your cattle more than four times from one herd to another. Because Imagine that. They come in to dictate to the farmer here from England that you can't move your cattle more than four times. And if you move them more than four times from one herd to another, it's like inferior beef. Is that some rubbish and the factories oh. use that and, 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 and Dennis that. listening to both sides of the debate today the farmers who are protesting versus the farmers who are trying to get in with their cattle have you any sympathy for the farmers who are trying to get in today trying to get past the protest you know I heard but one of the farmers saying I need the money well one wants to go to the Galway races but there's another farmer who was saying that is, that is trash talk right? is it yeah. in any in any any protest would you see any of them people walking in past the picket? But to see the beef plan organised this protest and 100% right. And the IFA don't stand in with them because they don't want them to get ahead. And of course, they'll get their cronies to go with beef. And anyway, if the factory will offer them more, 
they'll go with it. And of course, yeah, you can, there's parts of me can understand why if they're going to get extra money, but I hate to see, hate to see anyone oh. pass a picket, I have to oh, say. Hardly. I really hate it. And it, it gives this divided view as farmers are saying we need to stay uh, united. Dennis, look, it was a real pleasure to talk to you. Thank you for that. Look after but yourself. If they won't do something for the small farmers, they're gone. I know. Look, you mind yourself, okay? God bless you could hear him. He's so emotional and so passionate, isn't it, about what he does as a beef farmer. Jim says, Patricia, there are 225 grades, 225 grades in the beef cattle grading system. It's like a lottery. It's done by the factory, not done by an independent uh, body, says Jim. And that's what Dennis was talking about, this grading system that you go in believing you're going to get X amount of money and you're actually not. Uh, 1850-333-103. John Paul's taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp 86 Every Friday, we're counting down to the weekend, the weekend. by turning up the feel-good. C103's Feel Good Friday brings you six hours of Feel Good Greatest Hits. Join Nick Richards from One and Martina O'Donoghue from Four as we get you weekend ready. Weekend ready. Turning up the Feel Good for Cork. For Cork. Every Friday from One. Feel Good Friday, only on C103. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. At Mallow Late Night Pharmacy Bellevue Mallow, we like to live up to our name by staying open longer. We're open Monday to Saturday from 9am to 9pm and Sundays and bank holidays from 10.30 to 6pm, giving you more time to see our luxury gift hampers, beautiful gift ideas and aftershaves. Mallow Late Night Pharmacy Bellevue Mallow, giving more time to our customers. Classic Windows are market leaders in the production and installation of UPVC windows and doors and now make and supply the high-quality Shuko aluminium glazing range. To see the full range of products, call into Classic Windows showroom in Calumny Ovens or click classicwindows.ie. Classic Windows, making your house a home. At J&K Flower Studio, Church Street, Kenturk, our flower boxes explode with colour, our bouquets are iridescent, and our candles smell of sunshine. We're open Monday to Friday, 9 to 6, and Saturday, 9.30 to 7. And now, taking orders for weddings, funerals, and all occasions. J&K Flower Studio, Church Street, Kenturk, the art of flowers. Is your mattress causing you restless nights? Maybe it's time for a change. O'Flynn Interiors Mallow have a huge range of top-class beds and mattresses, including King Coil and Odearest. And with free delivery and free disposal of your old mattress, O'Flynn Interiors will have you sleeping soundly in no time. Everyone's at home with O'Flynn Interiors. Check out our website today at c103.ie. It's got everything you need to know with show info and all the latest from across Cork. Go online now and click c103.ie. Cork today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 86 Told in a foreign land To take life on earth To the second birth And the man was in command It was a flight on the wings Of a young girl's dreams That flew too far away 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. That's music from Tapao on C103 and that is China in my hand. We're going to take a break. We have news at 12 midday on the way. We don't have Peter Dowdle this week. He's on a break. He will be back with us uh, next week. But we are going to be uh, continuing to discuss your calls and comments coming into the programme uh, and also talking about what happened with uh, the stay being put on the harvesting of kelp in Bantry Bay. The C103 Cork Diary is a free service to help non-profit organisations all over Cork. So if you're a community group or a charity that's holding a fundraising event or meeting, send us the details at least one week in advance and we'll tell Cork all about it. Email info at c103.ie. The Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. C103. Last month, the Costigan saved
saved 464 euro at Lidl. Their shop last week included organic Irish steak mints. Only 3.49. We don't mince our words when we're talking about savings or mints. Ten weeks in, the Costigan's total reaches 1,023 euro. Start your big save at Lidl.ie. Lidl, more for you. The Costigan shop between 17th of June and 8th of July and received opportunity for participation. You might know what a rent pressure zone is. An area where rents cannot be increased by more than 4% annually. But what you might not know is that rent pressure zone rules apply to both existing tenancies and relets. Landlord or tenant, it's important you keep informed. To find out if you're in a rent pressure zone, what the rules are and what the correct amount of rent should be, visit rtb.ie. It's the God dredge coming in this morning jackpot. The lotto jackpot is 8 million euro. Play responsibly in-app, in-store or at lottery.ie. Lotto. Time to play. Estimated jackpot. This Sunday, it's the Roberts Cove Vintage Festival. Enjoy something for all the family. Tractor pulling, helicopter rides, a dog show, vintage cars and tractors, amusements, food stalls and motorbike stunts with live music from Mick Flavin, Trudy Lawler and the Patrick O'Sullivan Band. All this and more at the Roberts Cove Vintage Festival this Sunday from 11am. The Irish Times on Wednesday. Business and commercial property has the stories behind the big deals in Ireland's key property developments. And with all the news that matters, it's your summer read from the Irish Times. Tim, did you hear? You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Jim says this is on the grades, the way the cattle is graded. Uh, Jim says in order to qualify for the quality assurance or breed premia, the cattle must meet certain grade standards, which is done by the factories. You could be keeping all of the records, etc. All the I's dotted, T's crossed and still not qualify for the quality or breed bonuses. It is a farce says uh, Jim. Another texter says, Patricia, I pity the farmers, but at the end of the day, the farmers are voting in the same government all of the time. They need to be careful who they vote for in the future. And John and Cove says, it's a pity the farmers didn't consider this all back in 1973 when they dragged every ordinary member of this country into what was then the EEC, now the EU. They're paying the price uh, now. And I've been sent on the current view in Bandon on the McCroom Road and it's just, it's gridlocked. It's just a line of... Tractors with trailers and large trucks and it's far- these are the farmers trying to get into the factory and they're obviously having a problem getting into the factory. I will be avoiding, absolutely avoiding that area unless you have business to do down there. James and Butterman just contacted us. And this is getting the perspective of a young farmer. Good afternoon to you, James. Hello, sir. How are you doing? I'm, I'm not doing too bad. You're, you're obviously listening with interest to what's going on in Bandon today. Which side of the fence are you on? Are you with the farmers protesting outside? Are you with the farmers trying to get in with their cattle? Oh, God, I'd be very much on the side of the, the farmers protesting. Like, I mean, it's outrageous what's going on. Like, and I mean, I'd support them 110%. Like, you know, but I mean, I suppose in any protest you're going to have, you're going to have, I suppose, you're going to have both sides, like, but... You know, I mean, it's it's just crazy what's going on. And I suppose I just wanted to make a point there. You know, I suppose just an example um, of with uh, what what I'm dealing with and what, and what I'm sure a lot of other farmers are dealing with as well. But it was just we'll say with with um, it was actually bulls that I had going to the factory there. They went um, in last February, just gone. Okay. And um, like there was three, there was three. I suppose the age categories really of bulls like there there'd be your under sixteen months. 
bulls, which we, I suppose they'd be generally continental animals, and then you would have under 24-month bulls, and after that then you have the aged bulls, but mine, mine would have been Frisian bulls, which would have been going in, um, the factory wanted me at under 24 months. Okay. So uh, I had them. I had it was fourteen animals in the in in the bunch. Like, and there was one of them went in, and he was twenty four months and a day. And now technically he wasn't. I was aware of it. Like, but technically he wasn't because the calf was actually born at ten o'clock at night. So he was so, twenty four months and two hours. He, well, no, he 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 would have been. He would have been. We'll say the 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 animals were going down to the factory at about nine o'clock in the morning. All right, okay, so, yeah. So he, he, so he, but he, so he technically still was within the twenty-four hours, so twenty-four months. It. Yeah, that's exactly it. Like, you yeah. Know, but, but and um, did you on, did you lose money on that? I on, on that on that animal alone, Patricia, I lost two hundred and forty-five euros because what they what they did is they put that they put that bull into the aged bull category, and they 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 deducted me fifty cent a kilo, which was equating with his carcass weight, which was equating to two hundred and forty-five euro. I mean, I was absolutely outraged because I mean the amount of I mean the amount of work that goes into them. I mean, hard hard work that goes into them, and I mean, you know, like of course there was there was I made absolutely no sense. Animal was money lost there, so I mean, it's very, it's I suppose it's very disheartening, especially as a young farmer. You know, when you see the likes of this going on, and when you when you know in your heart and soul you're being hard done by, like because I mean, I I you know I was so enraged over it. I actually went down. To the factory, and I was I was talking with the procurement manager below there, and I was there for a solid hour with him debating it. Like, and no way would they budge. Like, and God, I mean, it must be soul destroying to raise an animal, put all the work into it, all the costs that are involved in feeding yeah. and looking after the animal, and, and the then to bring it to the factory, factory too, like. and you get less than what you yeah. put in. You've actually you've actually kept the animal for two years, and I suppose taken on the risk that I mean, especially with bulls, because I mean they're always fighting and all the rest of it. Like, and I mean they're dangerous stock to yeah. deal with as well. Yeah. I mean, does that does that side of it too? And I mean, you're taking on all these, I suppose, the risk and the cost and all the rest of it. And at the end of, at the end of the day, you're actually having to pay to do that. You know, you and yes, I go back to the point that I keep making to all of the farmers that I've been speaking with today. When we go in to buy meat in the butchers or in the supermarket, we're not getting cheap meat. That's it, like, yeah, because, I mean, it's, it's, it's as blatant as day. I mean, it's daylight robbery is what's going on. And, I mean, like, like the factory, like, at, at the end of the day, like, I mean, as, as the other farmers are making the point there, I mean, we don't expect the factories or the re- retailers to be making nothing out of it. Everybody has to make a profit to survive. And, I mean, it's, but it's just, it's too one-sided. Yeah, but you're I mean, the primary the producers. If you, if you take if you take the farmers out of the equation, the rest of them don't have the product that like, they need yeah. to keep yeah, going. Like you can, it, like, it, it, it's like the first step on the stairs. I mean, if you if you don't have that, you can't go any further. Yeah, and I mean, yeah. the farmers at the very bottom. And I mean, we're being just beaten down and down all the time. And I mean, you know, as as the last uh, as you, you you mentioned the text, so they are texting about the. About the board, the uh, um, quality assurance. I mean, that, the grading. That, 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 yeah, it's it, it, uh, no, well, not the grading, but the the board beer will say that that will say. Oh, the quality it, assurance. It, yeah. It, yeah, yeah. I mean that if you're if you're registered with board B and you know they come out and inspect the farm and you have to do this, that, and the other, and the amount of paperwork is just frightening. But I mean, 
I, I, I think I got it. I've been sending in animals now, I suppose, we'll say under my own herd number for the last maybe four years. And I mean, of all the bunches I've sent in, I got it on one. And I mean, I was all out to get it. I mean, oh it's, it's a total joke. And I mean, and do, and you, ever, do you ever go to bed at night, James, and think about, why am I doing this? I suppose, and like you, you do at times, and I suppose, like a lot of people would say to me too, like you know, why, why do you do it? Like, but I, I don't know. I suppose, like, you know, like it, I suppose it's just in your blood, and I mean, it, it still won't stop me doing it. I mean, uh, it's what I want to do, but I know, I know we're being hard done by, and I know that the likes of factories and retailers that are there are being greedy and they're living off farmers' backs. Like, but I mean, that's not going to go on, and I want, I won't stand for that. Like, and I will, I'll. I'll fight it like I, I, I've always been fighting it. Like, you know, I, I know what farmers are being put through is totally wrong. Like, and, you know, I, I, I see, I see fierce, I suppose, um, there's, I think there's a fierce future there for farming, you know, once the right people are in the right places. But, I mean, at the moment, it's, you know, it's, it's grim, but I see there will be an improvement, like, but things need to change, like, because I mean... But listening to some going. of the older farmers earlier on that Fiona, our reporter, spoke to, they're having a problem in that they don't want to encourage their sons or daughters to go into farming. Yeah. You know, we're, we, we, we could lose a generation of farmers. Course, yeah. You know, Absolutely. I mean, I, I, I don't know how many young people like you have decided, I'll do it. You can understand why mothers and fathers are saying to their children, go, go get a job somewhere else where you're going to get paid. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Because I mean, with farming, I mean, like you, 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 you there's, there's no set time. I mean, you can't, you can't just walk away, you know, because it's five o'clock or because it's six o'clock, whatever. I mean, yeah, I mean, you finish when when you finish when the job is done. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's a bank. Everyone's looking forward to a bank holiday weekend. A bank no, holiday no, weekend no, makes no difference to a farmer. Day, like, yeah. No, no, no. That's just another. And day do you week. love? I mean, do you love doing what you're doing? I do. I absolutely love it. And you know, like I mean. Like, uh, you'd have to, you know, I mean, you'd have to not even like it, you'd have to love it. And I, and I, I most certainly do that, like, yeah. but I mean, you'd have to, because if you didn't, you, you would literally go insane. Yeah, I think, you because, wouldn't, you wouldn't you know, keep going. All right. No, okay. So you're 100% behind those that are protesting today. That's for sure. Uh, absolutely. And I suppose just, just, uh, just, sorry, just to go back to what I was saying there, just about the point I was making there about the factory, like, like one point that I put across, which I suppose it kind of shocked me in a way. Like I said, um, when I was dealing with the procurement manager below, like I said to them, and like I was going down, I like obviously when I see it on the docker, when I got the check from the factory, I said, it's crazy. I said, they're after giving me an aged bull price for this animal. And he was actually, of the, of the 14 animals that went down, he was actually the only R-grade animal. The rest of them were, were they were O-equals and O-plus. And he was actually, he was the best animal that went in. And they docked me two hundred and forty five euros and I, I went down there and I was saying to them, I'm I'm not looking for anything unreasonable here. All I want is a fair price for my animal. Mm-hmm. And they said that they they simply can't change it because that he's down at at twenty four months and a day and uh they have to they, they, he what he said to me was they have to market that beef differently to what the rest of them are being marketed at. But if it's R, said, but if it's our grade. But that's that's the point I was making. I said I mean in fairness, I said, if, if right is right, anyway, I said the animal is under 24 months because, I mean, everything comes into age, be it years, days, and months, hours, everything, I said, is is, in, is included. 
And like I mean, because even 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 to go with what they were saying, if the animal is a day over age, I mean the meat doesn't turn black. Exactly. In, exactly. in, in, in do you know what I mean? Yeah. It, it, yeah. It's a very. And what the point I said to them was, I mean, I I I just said to them that I'm giving you my opinion. I'm saying I'm 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 not saying this is the case, but I feel that that animal that you're docking me two hundred and forty five euros on is gone out in the very same lorry as the rest of them. Mm. Mm, and he, went off on, he went off on another tangent, but, but like what I said, it would make as much it, money inside in the shops as, as yeah. As as I, I, I said to him, I said, "You're," I said, "It worries me that you're you're not uh, denying it." And then, of course, he turned around and said, "Well, I'm just about to deny it." And what I asked him for then, I said, "Could you just do me one simple thing?" I said, "Would you give me proof of that?" And he said, "No, we we can't give you. We'll say." evidence of what your animals are being marketed because it's commercially sensitive information. And I said, well, that's fine, so that's fair enough. I said, could you write me a letter from yourself just saying that this animal, carcass number, whatever it is, is being marketed at a, at a far lower price to the rest of them? And he wouldn't give me that either. Yeah. So, All I mean, right. that was blatantly telling me, like, you know... That, little, that they'll make the same amount yeah. for it. All right, listen, James, Absolutely. thank you for that. And uh, good to get the insight from a young farmer. Thanks for joining us. No, um, good afternoon to you. That is James from Butterfant, Margaret in Dunmanway. Thinks the farmer's problems goes back to the farmers putting all their eggs into one basket. They were told to invest in buildings and livestock, etc. And very few farmers now grow vegetables or keep poultry. They're not self-sufficient. That's the problem. Farmers, when a bygone bygone generations were self-sufficient in that they had lots of different aspects to their farming life. And Jim in Clonakilty, I was farming for 45 years, says Jim. I got out of it in 1999 as I saw the light, as I reckoned then when your produce goes outside the farm gate, it's then it gathers money. That's why I left and I have been proven so uh, right. Some of your texts in. Patricia, you speak about all the work that goes into rearing and feeding cattle. But what about all the book work and inspections that we have to adhere to? Why do we have to have such a high standard if rubbish meat can come into this country, says uh, Anna. I suppose Anna's worried about the meat that already comes in from Brazil and more with the Mercosur deal uh, will be coming in. And someone else says, Trisha, I don't understand why they're still farming if it's not paying them. If you're in a job that doesn't pay you, surely you would leave a beggar's belief, really. But I, I, I can kind of understand why they do it. I mean, listening to James and Butterfant talking and, and Dennis, the... Um, the older farmer talking who was getting very emotional about it. It's almost like it's in their DNA. You know, if it's a family farm that's been passed on for generation onto generation onto generation, the easy option absolutely would be sell up and get out and get a get a job, particularly for somebody young like uh, James. But he, he's got a passion. He loves doing what he's doing. 1850 Quick mention to some other texts that are in. Just giving plugs to things that are happening. Mushra Platform Dancing goes ahead next Sunday. That's the Sunday of the Bank Holiday weekend. Three to half past five. Music is by the singing Jarvie. And John O'Brien says, Patricia, would you please give the following a mention for me? The Liskould Gun Club. Their annual dog show will be held on Monday next. Bank Holiday Monday, August 5th. Liskould Village at 1.13. It's a native Marymount Hospice classes for all types of dogs. It's described as a family fun day for all the family and it's in a really, really good cause. The C103 Cork Diary With Cork County Council Supporting businesses, supporting communities Serving Cork. Visit CorkCoco.ie 
Fremont Summer Cultist Session goes ahead in Fremont Heritage Centre uh, tonight, Wednesday, and every Wednesday throughout July and August, half past eight at start. This week's special guests are the Castle Magnar Singers. And as it's Wednesday, that means the popular Clonakilty guided historical tour walks will be held tonight. Uh, the meet is at Michael Collins Statue at seven. The walk lasts about an hour and 15 minutes. All are welcome. Ballyfahan Bingo is on tonight at eight. Ballyfahan Community Centre. 5,000 euro jackpot with a guaranteed payout of over 4,000 euro. The proceeds go to the upkeep of the Ballyfahan Hall. And the Irish Blood Transfusion Service, they've got donut clinics in the Fergus Hotel in Mitchellstown, 3 to 5 this afternoon and 7 to 9 tonight. IRD Dohalo, they've got their AGM tonight, that's at 8 o'clock in the James O'Keefe Institute in Newmarket. Castletowns and Maritime Week continues over the bank holiday weekend with guided walks, musical sessions and lots, lots more. While Union Hall are holding their Superstars fundraising event this bank holiday weekend in aid of the Friends of Skibbereen Hospital. Saturday is a family fun day with kids sports, live music and barbecue. And then on Sunday, the Superstars contest will battle it out for a €2,000 prize fund. There will also be live music, GAA games on the big screen and a barbecue. Great fun for all in Union Hall this weekend. We've been discussing the ongoing protests that are happening outside APB, the meat factory in Bandon. I've just had a statement in from Meat Industry Ireland to say extremely challenging market conditions and ongoing uncertainty generated by Brexit with the real prospect of a no deal outcome are the root cause of current weak beef and cattle prices. While processors are fully cognizant of the frustration of beef producers, protests like what we're seeing today will disrupt normal business operations and the orderly processing of cattle will do nothing to resolve the challenges in the market uh, place and that's from uh, Cormac Healy the Senior Director of Meat Industry Ireland. We've been hearing about traffic delays and traffic jams in Bandon because of the protest and actually we've got a photograph I'm told this photograph has gone up on our Facebook uh, page the current view, or it was view about an hour ago of the McCroom Road in Abandon. So let's just get the very latest on this. Our senior news reporter Fiona Corcoran, who's been there all morning, joins me. Uh, good afternoon to you, Fiona. Good afternoon, Patricia. I, I believe some kind of a compromise has... That's right, Patricia. Just in the last few minutes there has been a compromise reached between the two uh, far, different groups of farmers here. And now all morning, since half six this morning, various different agents and farmers have been queuing up along both sides of the road here um, on the McCroom Road just outside the ABC plant trying to gain access with their cattle and um, they told me, some of the farmers told me, you might have heard it in the audio that they were told that they weren't allowed to get in past protests now the people who were protesting Helen O'Sullivan, the beef plan, plan movement says that's not actually true that they weren't stopping them, that they were just having their protests outside the gate um, but they have come up with an agreement and what's happening now is the trucks and jeeps and, and tractors are coming up to the gate. Uh, some members from the protesting group are going up, approaching them at the window, the farmers at the window, having a quick discussion with them, trying to convince them to turn back, stating their case as why they're here um, and why they're calling on other farmers to support their protest. And then it's up to the to the driver of that vehicle whether or not they want to proceed and enter or go home. 
Now, one or two have made the decision to turn around and go back home. Um, others have uh, gone in. Now, it has remained fairly peaceful, but there have been shouts of traitor from some of the protesters here at the gate. Um, so, there, uh, as you can imagine, Catholics pointing that there's a huge backlog on both sides. So, this process is going to take some time. Uh, Gardaí are here, though. Um, with the protesters, they've, they've erected barriers on both sides. They're making sure that this remains a peaceful demonstration. Um, you know, and that the, that people aren't being blocked from going in if they want to be, if they want to go in. And there are other guardians directing traffic here. There's been serious traffic jams here all morning. So that's um, that's the way. And it's going to take a few hours, I imagine. Is it for mm-hmm. the? to get the backlog of traffic sorted out? Uh, I would imagine so. Um, now, I'm just here at the plant, so I don't know how far back the queues of traffic are going on either side, but, I mean, it's been relentless all day, so um, I imagine that it's quite um, heavy on both sides. All right, somebody um, wants to know the, the animal welfare um, business coming into it now. Has anything been given to those animals that have been stuck in the trailer since early morning? I'm not 100% sure about that. Now, I know that earlier... Um, some animals were in a bit of distress in oh, no. and they were allowed in uh, straight away. Um, but the, the rest of the traders seemed to be okay. Um, so I think that that was taken into consideration earlier today okay. and any animal that was in distress um, that vehicle was allowed in. Okay, but anyway, compromise yeah. has been has been reached. But that doesn't mean that but the protest is continuing. The protest is continuing and they say they, they are here since Sunday. They've been here 24 hours a day and they're not going away. They said that they are going to stay here for as long as it takes. And um, some of the farmers that I spoke to who have been trying to get into the plant said to me that they think that this protest is a waste of time, that it's too little too late and that the prices of beef all over Europe are um, outrageous and there's nothing that this protest is going to change. But um, the people who are protesting said that they disagree with that and that if everybody stands together that they may be able to get some sort of action. So um, they plan on staying here for as long as it takes to get a resolution to this situation. Okay, Fiona, we leave it there. Thank you for that. And uh, thanks for all your coverage this morning. This is Fiona Corcoran, our senior news reporter on the animal welfare. Mary says, think of the pain and suffering those animals are going through. Uh, Patricia, I was surprised to hear you asking how much money are you going to lose when you were interviewing the young farmer, James from Butterbent. What about the animals and the pain they are going through? It is animal cruelty, according to Mary. People will say to you, Mary, that's farming. That's what it's uh, about. Hi, Patricia, I'm a suckler farmer, but because I'm in board BIA and the Gloss scheme I won't get any of that compensation money that you spoke about the 100 million euro that was announced where's the justice more red tape Tim from who doesn't want to say where he's from okay so we won't say where he is uh, from actually when people don't want their name to be called out can you start the text with don't call out my name because I'm reading through it and then I'll see the person's name so we just won't say where that person is uh, from okay there still seems to be this divide between the farmers I mean you heard Fiona there saying the farmers that are going through you've got the other farmers calling them uh, traitors and that I'd hate to see a lot you know if you get very united because I think it's the one thing we've proven before when you get people to unite and all come together like when you think of the 
old age pensioners who got together to fight when they thought they were going to lose their medical carts. When you look at the water campaigners, when they all got together and when you have an industry and you've got people divided, it, it really doesn't help the cause at all. Johnny and from Moy, I'm 100% behind the beef farmers. They're being walked all over and this has been going on for a long time. No ministers have ever supported them. Why are the farmers not looking for the agriculture minister to go if the captain of the ship is not doing the job then he needs to uh, go. And actually I did see yesterday at one of their protests the Michael Minister Michael Creed, the Minister for Agriculture was there and but he didn't he wouldn't speak to them. They tried to get him to answer. They had some questions uh, for him. Where did I see that? Oh, it was on Friday. Members of the Beef Plan Movement, they're the group organising the protests. They had been peacefully protesting in outside a, a, a plant in Ballyadreen in County Roscommon, which was being officially opened by Minister for Agriculture Michael Creed and the somebody from the Roscommon branch of the Beef Plan Movement went to try to speak with the minister but uh, he refused to engage. They had a list of questions to ask him but he refused to let the window down on the car and he didn't engage uh, with them so I'm sure that they'd uh, they'd love to have the bants and have a chat uh, with them. 1850 The Mallow Bridge that we kicked off the programme with earlier this morning when we were asking about Mallow Bridge and we know that there is work underway because the new boardwalk has been put in and there will be closures and disruptions on that bridge from Monday of this week and it goes right through to the end of August and people were wondering if it's okay to, can you walk on it? We know the traffic's going to be affected and we've been getting on to Cork County Council uh, to try to find out. I've just been told the lane is now closed on Mallow Bridge because even though they said it was closing from Monday, I'm assured that it hadn't been closed so far. It is now closed from the Ballydehine side for works on the boardwalk. There are traffic delays in the area as some people are not aware that the lane was closing but it is now officially closed. You can travel from the town side of Mallow coming from the spa go over the bridge. The bridge is now down to one lane but if you're coming from Ballydehine it's closed and there are traffic delays as a result of it and we're still having a confirmation if people can walk. I'm sure they can but let's wait until we get absolute confirmation from them. 1850 Let's take a break and let's come back and update us on what's been happening with the mechanical harvesting of kelp off Bantry Bay. Nick Richards, weekday afternoons from 1. C103. We're at the Lee Swim where about 500 people are going to get in the River Lee any minute now. Your husband's taking part? Yes, Martin Shannon, yes. Do you think there's any sharks in there? No. No. Fishies! Not taking part this year? No, not this year, yeah. You could nip behind a tree, put a pair of Speedos on, you'd be in. Chances. <laughs> 50-50. Brings loads of people out into the city and it'd be great this year because obviously they're swimming under the new bridge for the first time, the Mary Ellen's Bridge. So yeah, so great day. Weekday afternoons from one. C103. This is the Court Today replay on C103. In March of 2009, the Tralee-based Bio-Atlantis Aquamarine applied for a licence for 10 years of mechanical harvesting of kelp seaweed off Bantry Bay. In 2014, the licence was granted, but this week, just as Deirdre Murphy ruled, that the government has yet to fulfil all the legal procedures required to issue such a licence. Now, to outline what this now means, I'm joined by Dorf Dant of the Bantry Bay uh, 
Protect Our Native Kelp Forests group. Good, good afternoon to you, Dorf. Good afternoon, Patricia. I, I, I'm very well. Now, does this mean that Bio Atlantis has never held a valid licence and the one that was issued in 2014 is actually null and void? Uh, no, I, I'll just try and, and, and simplify the whole thing. What it is, what it mean, what this, what the court ruled is that because the minister is under a statutory obligation to print, um, to publish um, his decision, his 2011 or 14 decision, um, in a paper called uh, Irisifigul, and uh, because that was never done, it means that the license is still incomplete. It's not complete, and so therefore there is, in effect, no license. So what she's saying is that because the minister hasn't fulfilled all the steps that need to be taken for a license to come in, you know, to be complete, um, she says that um, because there's still stuff outstanding, that means that there is no, there is in effect no license. So it's, a te- it's it, but it's a technicality. It's a technicality, absolutely. Well, it's 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 yes, absolutely. It's a technicality, but at the same time, it has serious repercussions because from our judicial, we were taking a judicial review on the license, and she has now stated that she cannot do this because she it's outside her jurisdiction because she's she the license isn't complete yet, and a high court judge would not be allowed to look at a, a, an incomplete license before she can. Do you know, it's, it's yeah. She says that the minister hasn't fulfilled all the steps. Okay, so do, does it does it basically just mean that the minister now just needs to publish this notice and then? they have a license yes well technically yes but the problem is that the state has um, a, the state, well at the moment we're waiting to see what the state would actually do but at the moment it, it, the state has indicated that it would like to challenge the court's decision um, whether publishing something in Irsifical was actually necessary so at the moment it looks like they will appeal this to the Supreme Court which will probably take 12 months in the meantime there is in effect no licence now if they did publish it they can publish it the Irsifical comes out uh, twice a week so technically they could publish it in the morning the problem with that is it would open themselves up to three problems the first would be they would be putting up their hands saying we made a mistake and then that would be liable for costs from ourselves and by Atlantis for taking a judicial review for two and a half months in the court. Um, The second problem would be that as soon as they publish we would then be able to judicial review the entire licence because at the moment we had a problem um, because we were out of time. You can only challenge a licence within a certain time frame but if if they then publish um, the minister's decision of 2011 um, that would mean we could then judicially review the entire thing which would open it up to much more it would it would um, create a bit of problem and the third reason would be that um, there is already a pre-existing license lawfully granted by the Minister for Marine to grow seaweed in one of the areas that um, the Minister for Housing is proposing to give to by Atlantis which means that the Minister for Housing would effectively be trying to um, give a license um, area to a person to, on, on which there is already a pre-existing license so it will become very tricky for them to it, just publishing it in the Civil would not be it won't, um, it's not, it won't be as simple as that. Yes, it, it, it's not. It's quite complicated, but it, it, it would probably um, cause a lot more trouble for... It, it's a tricky situation. They find themselves in a position where um, the easiest route would probably be to appeal to the Supreme Court to say that they didn't need to. But, I mean, uh, the judge was very, very clear. Um, she read out the, the, what, what the 1933 Forshore Act says. And, I mean, it was quite clear that they do need to publish. They didn't publish, so therefore um, there is, in effect, no license. Okay, they thought they had a license since um, twenty fourteen. Did they? Did they? Did they do any harvesting? No, no. Bioatlantis has never. No harvesting has ever been done. No testing of the equipment has ever been done. I mean, this machine has that that is that is being that is proposed to be used for this operation, which is one of the main reasons why we have a problem with it, is because of the method. It's a suction method. It sucks up three hundred thousand liters an hour. 
um, and it sucks up the seaweed, the kelp, but also everything that lives within it. And so that's one of our main problems. But none of this has ever been tested. By Atlantis has never caught anything yet. They they applied for license in 2009. We're now 2019. They have never caught a single strip of... of, of well, um, I, I thought it was ironic when I was, you know, doing some, reminding myself of the story yesterday, thinking that they applied back in 2009 for a 10-year license. Yeah. They, if they'd been left away, they would be done and dusted. It would be all... Well, their yes, 10 years the would be nearly up. But isn't that the issue... No, it's the fear of the unknown here. None of us know well, well, what I think, the effect I think, will I think be. We can, I think, well, that is, well, we do know. I mean, the fact is that if you look at the fishermen of Bantry, the inshore fishermen of Bantry Bay, and you look at where they fish for shrimp, where they fish for lobster, where they fish for crab, it is within the kelp forest. It is close to the kelp forest because that's where their home is. That's where you, I mean, we've done a lot of research and we will continue to do research about what lives within the kelp forest. That's one of the, re- one of the things which we'll be doing within the next year. Um, we'll be looking at what is there and and, uh, and and the thing is that if you look at how much life is within this and then you think what's being proposed here, sucking this all up, yes it will have a huge impact on um, on, on, on the ecology of a kelp forest. I mean if you, if you suck up everything within the kelp forest as well as the kelp, it will have a significant impact not only to the ecology but also to the jobs that are connected to that ecology. The inshore fishermen are going to be suffering because of this um, and the fact is that we don't know. I mean by Atlantis hopes that it'll regrow but I mean none of this is very is tested you know I mean it's it, I think it's a legitimate fear it's it's um, if you look at what's being proposed it's a legitimate fear if you take into context that there has been no public consultation at all all along all the way along it was slid in under the surface it was only 17 February 17 when an ECOI program came up that it was actually brought to light um, there was never an environmental impact assessment done never an appropriate assessment never a screening for an appropriate assessment all of these things are necessary by uh, by law but of course because um, I mean that'll be something that might come up um, in another judicial review if ever we get to that point we, we see what happens at the moment from a legal point of view we're waiting and seeing what the state might do and, and go from there OK and we did contact obviously BioAtlantis so who, who have to say they did respond but uh, they yeah, just said I, I, we, we cannot comment on the judicial review at the moment however we're currently reviewing the court's decision and its implications if any and that's Yeah uh, well that's I mean BioAtlantis we is caught in a thing where BioAtlantis has tried to fulfil all the boxes that the Department of Housing put in front of them um, I mean, in fairness to Bioatlantis, they have spent 10 years trying to jump through hoops. Um, I don't think that Bioatlantis, I mean, their their proposal is absolute bonkers, but that's not their fault. They put it to the Minister for Housing and he decided that it was great. I mean... Wait, so, so what, why would you go to the Minister for Housing? Uh, well, that's a, that's a tricky one. Originally, it was, and actually you said at the outset that it was the, uh, the Bioatlantis Aquamarine that uh, applied for the licence. This is yeah. incorrect. It's, uh, it's Bioatlantis LDT that applied for the licence. It was Bioatlantis Aquamarine that eventually got the licence. Okay. Um, they went to the Department of Agriculture first day in 2009, Brendan Smith, and it moved on to the Department of, it went through different departments and eventually ended up with housing because um, kelp grows on the seabed. Seabed is seen as foreshore. Foreshore is a uh, governed by the Department of Housing. Okay. But if there was okay, but if um, maybe we're all overreacting on this, I mean, I certainly was unaware of what these kelp forests were until this story all broke from from Bantry Bay. I would say ten years ago, and there you you can see some of the most stunning videos online of what life is like in these kelp forests. They're just magnificent, and they they are known as some of the most productive and dynamic ecosystems on Earth. But is it possible we're all overreacting that if we do an environmental impact study, maybe they won't do as much damage as we fear they will. 
no, I, I think that we're being very limited in our... I think that it will cause a lot more damage than... Um, than I mean, we've had... There has been research done into how quickly things can reproduce. We had a sea search team coming in a couple of weeks back in Bantry Bay. I mean, there is research being carried out as to how quickly something could repopulate. Yeah. And I think if you look at in other invasive species, if you look at fast-growing annuals, if you look at other things, it's quite clear that it's... Well, from my own pers- personal opinion would be that it, it's almost certain that um, there are areas which are never going to grow back again. And obviously the life that these kelp forests at the moment support uh, will be will have to go elsewhere or be gone or be sucked up altogether. I mean, it's also from a carbon sequestration point of view, if you look at go- uh, climate change, and I mean, Extinction Rebellion has been making, I mean, making news in the headlines to try and, and, and stop uh, what we're doing. I mean, this is anti, you know, this is really the opposite direction of which we should be going. If we were growing seaweed we'd be actually helping the, the the whole thing we need to we need we need to change our idea that sucking up something that's actually doing good for the planet is, is a good idea you know yeah and i know i read a report yesterday that as the ocean is uh, uh, oceans are warming and we know they're warming all over all over the world the world's kelp forests are beginning to disappear so we yep. really do have to look after the ones uh, that we have yep. how are you covering the cost of all of these judicial reviews and going to the high court and going to different courts well, we, we have the advantage that we have a huge community support. We have a massive amount of um, community support behind us. And, and this is, I mean, going to the High Court is very, very expensive. Um, and But we had the support of, of, of tens of thousands of people. I mean, we have support from all sorts of organisations. We have people in Galway and in Mayo. I heard I heard a couple of weeks back there was someone, a lady we had no idea who what she was doing in Grafton Street in Dublin, you know, handing out leaflets and, and telling people about it. We have, across Ireland, we have a huge support. And I mean, if you, the more people actually, if you ever have, if anybody has ever done snorkeling and you go snorkeling into a seaweed patch and you see what life is there and, and think about that this will be, something like this will be sucked up, everything will be sucked up. I yeah. mean, the damage it'll do, it, people are, people are beginning to understand what this actually Actually, this proposed plan actually might mean, and I think we have we've had huge support, and we've okay. had, and we very and we're very grateful, and we're very thankful. The, the the big thing, of course, is to understand that this is not over, this is not finished. We we will continue. Like if if the state brings it to Supreme Court level and appeals it there, we're talking twelve months, perhaps more. So this is going to be continuing on for for another. Well, another we've we've years. almost bookended the program today on environmental issues out of West Cork because we started with the Save Our Skipperine and, and we're finishing with you uh, with you guys. And, and, and I'll finish with you with as was put to me after I did the interview with the Save Our Skibreen and the Plastics Factory uh, the issue of employment what about employment would this Absolutely. kelp farm uh, generate would... employment in the area uh, well, I, I'm very thankful that you brought that up. Well, this this is not kelp farming. Kelp farming is growing of seaweed. Uh, what is being what is being uh, proposed here is an extraction. This extraction um, this will bring about two part time jobs to Bantry. Now, it's possible they'll bring. I mean, it'll be processed in Tralee, so possibly there will be four, five, six jobs perhaps made in in, in Tralee, Perhaps although they already have a facility there, which they'll just swing from fertilizer into something else. So I'm not sure. But at the moment in Bantry, there will be two part time jobs. Yeah. And at the same jobs. time, there will be a risk of there will be a risk of many jobs lost in, in Bantry due okay. to the damage to the ecology. We will talk again, Dorf. In the meantime, thank you for that and thanks for joining us on the programme. Thank you very much for your good, time. Good morning to you. Bye-bye. That is Dorf Daunt of the group Bantry Bay Protect Our Native Kelp Forest. On the farmers protesting, a listener from West Cork says, uh, Patricia, what about the... Where are the IFA supporting the farmers today? Are they asleep? Are they all gone on holidays? Or do they simply just not care about the farmers? An organisation founded initially to help farmers 
and when there's help needed there's no one to fight for the farmers and that comes in from a West Cork uh, farmer because this group has nothing at all to do with the uh, IFA. Um, thank you for that. By the way, just to let you know, traffic is still very heavy around the McCroom area of Bandon. We know a compromise has been reached but it's going to take quite some time because there's been a backlog of farmers with trailers and different big trucks parked along that road so it is going to take quite some time and actually a listener was saying um, John and McCroom was saying to the lady who was asking about the animals and where the animals had been fed that were on the uh, trucks uh, John and McCroom says you can tell them that they had grass before leave, leaving home did she ever hear of cattle waiting in the march to be sold uh, before this happens all of the time there's also thank you for that there's also delays by the way in Ballydeheen ongoing delays there as well with the roadworks that are underway okay that's what I've got to wrap it up for today Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon my thanks to John Paul McNamara uh, for producing Talk Tomorrow Martina O'Donoghue. Make C103 part of your drive home with up-to-date traffic information and local news, your input in selecting our feel-good song of the day, plus our feel-good story and as many of Cork's greatest hits that we can fit into three hours. Join me, Martina O'Donoghue, every weekday from 4 to 7. C103. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... Hello Fresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.